Yeah, I already started recording. So take that, sucker. So, so, so I was talking to uh, my older son the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, he's talking about how you can convince anyone of anything, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't really remember the the philosophical topic we're talking about, but uh, and then I went to him talking about how you can break everything down to true and false, mm-hmm. and of course he was like. No, that's not true. Oh, there's always a gray area, man. But if you really think about it, you can break every... Like, think about programming. It's all... If you go back okay. to the very core of everything... Yeah, there if then. It's the all tr- ones and zeros. I get it. I get true it. True and false. Yeah, but we're not machines. We are not, we're not ones and zeros. Sure. I mean, somebody would say that the electrical impulses that go through your body are just a, a subset of, of ons and offs. Yes, mm-hmm. you could, but moral moral discretion cannot be broken into yes or no or good or bad are you sure yes take it like taking everything about i think a programmer would disagree i'm i am also a programmer and i would still not i I would still agree that they it's still yeah there's still a gray area is so it's like hexadecimal gray area yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I mean, it's advanced programming, you know what I'm saying, for the real people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, like, based on ones and zeros. Yeah, but life isn't based on ones and zeros. Of course, of course, they've used those one, well, that's the thing, they've used these ones and zeros to represent things. Right. But it's still ones and zeros, true and false. Sure, sure man. I feel like you, you'll fight that until they get gone. Yeah. But also, I mean, the whole I'm not like passionate about it either way. But but I mean, the the ones and zero thing can also uh, it's def- definitely being contested even more so nowadays for people who identify certain ways. So mm-hmm. there's that too. So we're we're almost like we're evolving as humankind to move away from what was previously conceived as a ones and zero kind of world to a world that exists within the spectrum as in there's also more numbers between zero and one. Oh gosh decimals it's true hmm hey so i uh, i guess that's where we're starting right <laughs> I, I taught my uh it was really funny i taught my he's, he's sawyer he's two and a half i taught him to count by zeros it's pretty cute who sawyer to count by zeros yeah how do, how do you do that he just goes zero, 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 zero. See, it's not cute when I do it because I'm a grown man. Wow. But when a little kid does it, it's kind of adorable. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I I don't doubt that. <laughs> but this is the MVG podcast. It's true. Welcome. My name is Will. I'm David. Sweet. <laughs> what we talk about today. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't know if you know this, but... Um, I probably do. When the sun comes up, it creates light. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Please explain this. Just kidding, don't. Okay, good. (laughs) And then when the sun goes down and it's nighttime, it's dark outside. Except for for like moonlight, which is technically the reflection of sunlight. So it's technically, it's still light, but it's a different kind of light. I'm here to talk about decimals. (laughs) (laughs) Did you also know... That we are talking about the balance between light and dark. Segway. Why do you say segway? You could have just left. 
Uh, sure. Also, like, if you really think about it, it's, a, it's this nice little thing where technically, as the as the as the moon is quote unquote coming up, mm-hmm. the sun is going down. Mm-hmm. So there's still the gray area. Right. It's not like boom sun, and then boom moon. You know In my saying? world, it does. That's weird. It doesn't really. I'm sure it'd be quite jarring to the senses. So, so behind the scenes for our podcast so i do this research mm-hmm. i write this stuff down i prepare it and everything will doesn't know it do anything because he knows and basically because he knows everything <laughs> he's just i do something guys <laughs> calm down he's like i glance at it um so in your head what is this podcast gonna be about um I immediately thought of morals, and I thought yeah. of, uh, we feel okay. Uh, pretty much moral scaffolding. So pretty much what people think of what has to be good and what has to be bad, and then everything that they use to support those good and those bad. Dang it! That would have been way more interesting. No, actually it's funny is i thought about that when i saw this at the the title of this episode right but then as i read your outline for the next episode i realized that that's actually what that episode's gonna be closer to yeah that's true and then as i've as i look through what you're talking about here it's actually what the definition of light and dark would Mm be and all the perspectives that define those things or all of the things that people use to define those things where Okay, one group of people might say light is actually purely the the idea of light, luminescence, and dark is the lack of. Mm-hmm. And then you have other things that will think of light is the embodiment of everything good, whereas darkness is the embodiment of everything evil. And then, like, when you talk about the balance of the two, it's like, can this exist without this? Does this exist because of this? And then I'm like, oh, okay. So when I started to see everything you wrote, I was like, oh, this is interesting, too. I mean, I like the moral <laughs> scaffolding thing, but we could talk about that next Yeah, week. we'll get to it. <laughs> well, you kind of stole some of my thunder for later on in my slideshow thing. That's that's cool, man. <laughs> that's what I do. Um, so he's yeah he's he's right so i i kind of thought of it as like the evolution of storytelling and starting at the beginning and adding complexity to it starting from the whole idea that yeah light is light and dark is dark and then starting to go to well who do you associate with this can this be considered this too? Mm-hmm. Like, can light actually be considered the dark? We actually talked about that in the Final Fantasy three episode. Is when we, we talked about how the warriors of dark are technically considered the good guys if light is overflowing in the world because right. they need a balance. Mm-hmm. We're gonna yeah. talk about that too. I like that. All I right. like that. <laughs> okay, let's get into this. All right. So, oh, uh, so just real quick though, where can they find you on Twitter? F Y N. R-I-R-B-A-N-E, Finrabane. And you can find me at NVG Dave. And uh, so I thought, I, I mean, I, I thought I'd start from realistically the beginning. Uh, I wanted to talk about, so if, it, if you take like a college class or whatever, like they'll talk about this as creation myths. I wanted to call this creation stories. Right. I thought that was more fair to everyone. Right. Um, and then there's always, there's always, 
in these creation myths, there's always uh, like the light coming out of darkness and then the darkness enveloping the light. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think if we look, I mean, if you look at the Bible, it's darkness. Oh, I mean, there's God mm-hmm. who exists in nothingness, which would we consider as darkness. darkness. And then he creates light and that separates what was darkness from the things that are light. Yeah. So it's, it's weird. It's this weird thing where, you know, the, like the chicken and the egg situation. So mm. did the, did darkness really not exist? Was it actually nothing until light and then light created darkness? And then that's why they had to be separated. That kind of thing. Mm, I like it. I like philosophy. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think if you actually, if you read into it, it's, I think it goes from God with, within nothingness, creating light, which begot or be, be begot yeah it which begot right. darkness mm-hmm. and then those two were separated and now as, as we go further and further into philosophical theory and whatever right people start to associate those with good and bad or evil and and whatnot so as one of the creation stories starts uh it says in the beginning there was only darkness mm-hmm. and then let there be light mm-hmm. and it was good and it was separated from the darkness yeah. So Which is even just too, even that just that sentence alone, yeah. it was good. Immediately associates light with good. Dude, it's kind of like it's kind of like what I was talking about. Better Call Soul, how like <laughs> they, um, like his antagonist comes into the room and he's like, "Oh, that guy's like Darth Vader," and then it kind of tells you. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, yeah." Here's the thing: we're establishing he's dark, so you must assume that I am light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which. It's complexity. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and then, so I don't even know how to say this. The Theogony, it's basically the study of Greek religion. Okay. Uh, uh, sounds about right. Uh, in that one, uh, you have a universe that's complete chaos, and out of the chaos came darkness, and out of the darkness came light, which is basically the same, but they're actually saying that chaos, darkness, and light are two different, in- or three different entities. So, have you ever read The Silmarian? I have not. Okay. So, this is um, definitely... I need to just sum it up in five words. Not five words, but I can sum it up in a couple sentences. Okay. So, the the world was created from nothingness, or Mm. from... The world was brought into being from the chaos that was brought together by a song, and discord is what created evil because Mm. people wanted something different. There's videos on YouTube, which I will actually put in, I will link in the description where this guy goes over like the mythology of Lord of the Rings that's described in the Sumerian. And it's so beautiful. His drawings are really good. You can find, I'll I'll link to his Patreon as well, um, where he draws these, it's just beautiful. The YouTube videos are good in general, but his drawings are good too. Anyway, so he explains all this stuff and then he does it in like four minutes. Um, And it's a lot of extra concept stuff that you would not think would be easily to explain, but he's really nice at doing it. And I can't do it because there's just so many names. <laughs> right. Um, and the video does better because it puts names to pictures and gives you a little bit more context. But uh, you're going to link that. Yeah. I'll link okay. that in the description. Cool. Um, yeah. Along with all the other things we're going to be referencing today. So um, I thought this was interesting too, because the big bang is the explosion of, light from nothingness mm-hmm. aka the darkness which is even interesting that the scientific creation 
story is based heavily is in, in somewhat Greek mythology. And, yeah. 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 Interesting. But also, if you really look at it, I kind of feel like we, we as people who are in that constant pursuit of knowledge and understanding of the things around us, the universe and how it came to be, if you really think about it, it's probably more or less we see a thing, we develop a theory, or even we tell a story, and then we try to figure out how we can prove that story. I mean, that's yeah. what science, science is. It's observing uh, a phenomenon, an anomaly, uh, an enigma, and then trying to explain it or trying to develop a formula or a theory to, to, to I don't know, to, t- to say that it's real. So um, it, Like I'd a black s- hole. Like yeah. we, know, we quote-unquote know it exists, but how do we know it exists? What's the formula to say that this is possible to exist? And that's what science really is. I mean, well, yeah, since the, that, like, that's getting deep into science, but there's the whole like, there's parts of that equation that they don't even know is if it's missing. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, not until too long ago did we did we find out there was another particle that we'd have to, to talk about that's not just protons, electrons, neutrons. We're talking about gravitons. What's the thing that keeps these things together? What keeps them floating in the in the in the in the um together to make an atom yeah dude what what was that what's that thing that was it like in sweden or whatever they built that the hadron collider yes yeah or the large hadron colliders remember when uh they were about to turn that on and people were like don't do it the world's gonna yeah okay so they said that the reason why if they turn that on supposedly it, what the science supports is that there would be so many of these micro like vibrations yeah that could possibly like destroy time as we know it. Mm-hmm. Or if they did it enough times, it could disrupt like the, the the matter that composes the earth and eventually destroy it through quote unquote like micro quantum tr- tremors or something like that. Dude, so my uh my uncle, he worked for the government doing like top secret stuff. But I guess he wrote a Obviously book. not top secret or not. <laughs> well anyway. Uh, but I guess <laughs> I guess he wrote a paper about how like time travel is possible because of vibrations. I think I might might talk about it in the uh, not podcast, but I really wish I could find that stupid paper. Oh well. Anyway, yeah, the sciencey stuff is pretty cool. Yes, as I just called the sciencey stuff. <laughs> Anyways, science. Um, yeah, science is science is awesome, man. Yeah, I love science. Um, so I had to write a creation story for. For college, one of my college classes. Mm-hmm. And I would read the whole thing, but it's super long. Can you summarize it in five words? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Well, no, Are you I'm actually going to try to summarize it in <laughs> no, five I, words? They can. It was kind of, it was, I wrote it a long time ago. Um, but it's kind of corny. So it was, it was basically, it was like a, a moon creation story. And so. Oh, so you're not doing like a full-on existence? No, creation. yeah, it just had to be some type of creation type story. Okay. Um, and then, so if I remember right, there was there was the dad who was the son, and then there was then the son had three kids. One was I didn't I didn't give names to the other two kids, but one of them, the girl, was named Moon, mm-hmm. and uh, and son was always like, "Don't go out at dark because it's you can't see anything and." And who knows what you'll find out there. There's all kinds of bad things. And so, but since the curious bunch they were, they all went out anyway. Her name could have been Luna. It could have been. But her name was Moon. That's Apparently cool, I wasn't it? very creative back then. That's cool. Well, <laughs> Luna means Moon, but okay. So the way, so the way the story went is they went out there and 
um, they would play out under the stars, which apparently the stars didn't give enough light or whatever. But mm-hmm. Moon was always like so fascinated with the stars, and that's why she wanted to go out there. But there was this wolf out there, and they always had to <laughs> okay, <laughs> not not in the stars, but like out in the out in the nighttime. Okay, and so uh, and so they always there, had. Sorry, is there a wolf constellation? Because that would actually. Man, talk about like all these parallels that you could actually that like sounds like something that like Native Americans or somebody would tell as like a as like a story of how these things came to be. I, I like it so far, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> so it goes off the rails a little bit. I have a Deus ex machina in it. Deus. Deus ex machina. Uh so anyway, so I'm going out so they go out there and play and everything, and then one day, um one of the kids gets captured by the wolf. Okay. And so Moon tells the other one to go back to get Sun, their dad, and uh, and then Moon goes af- out after him, and there's this, I don't really remember, but there's like an adventure, and then Wolf has actually tracked her down, and then for somehow, some way, she finds this shield. <laughs> okay, I'm curious. <laughs> and for some reason, the stars grabbed her and lifted her up into the sky, and she used the shield to hide herself, but oh yeah, the, and and Wolf was like completely captivated by the light from this shield, and so that's why I was always like howling at the moon, howling at her or whatever. So, are you sure you didn't pull this from somewhere? <laughs> I don't think so. This is but good. then, but then, uh, but then during the day, you know, they went back. But then, uh, so Moon was happy at night to play with the stars, and since. She was able to go up and play with the stars, but distract Wolf while she was up playing with the stars with using that shield. Her siblings could go play and do other things at night. And that was that's kind of a summary of it. That was not five words, but uh, <laughs> that was that was good. I like that. It was okay. I actually so when I was when I was reading it, it actually started. It would be really nice to flesh out the middle of that a little bit better. But I think well, like, it's funny because like the ending because the uh, it was actually the beginning middle that was actually pretty good and then when i was reading it like i must have been getting bored because the ending was like it was pretty lame i like that idea like the, the, the actual the shield and yeah like the actual ending the was sun. fine yeah. yeah so yeah I, I was thinking about that I, it wait so been... so the sun had these children and they were all playing on earth yep okay doesn't make any sense does it not creation myths sometimes don't most of the time, don't. No. But yeah. So yeah, there's my. It creation. requires some interpretation. There's sure. my moon creation myth from whenever. So, <laughs> moving on. Yes, indeed. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I have, actually, crap! I have another story having to do with uh, the symbolism because I was going to talk about symbolism of light and dark. Okay. But uh, so this this is my first tour of college, and I had a. Uh, English and humanities and poetry class. Or actually, it was English and humanities, but the teacher decided that this is a poetry class. Okay. Didn't make any sense to me. And uh, we kept on reading all these poems, and I'd write papers on them. And I, like, we had these sheets that had to do with, like, what the symbolism is supposed to mean. And I would always write my own interpretation of what I thought it meant. And okay. he And he would always, like, he was always giving me a hard time about... Um, about this he's like no it means this da, 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 da. and uh and so i was getting i was getting bad grades in the class and uh then we had to do a book report for our final project and so i picked uh lord of the flies 
Okay. And uh, but then I based my paper on uh, so William Golding. He's the guy that wrote the the book, and he's actually written articles or papers or whatever talking about how like er so everybody's like there's a tons of papers written on the symbolism in, in his books, mm -hmm. and he's gone on record many times saying, "No, there's no friggin' symbolism in my books. This that's not what that means. I wasn't. This wasn't the intention. Da 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 da." da. And so yeah. And so it was kind of, I guess it was kind of my middle finger to this guy. They gave me, you gave wrote, me, some, you wrote the symbolism or what you thought the symbolism was for Lord. Well, I was just, I was just trying to say that cause, cause I was trying to say that, yeah, sure. The poetry might like, you might think this is what the symbolism is, but it like, may or may not mean unless you ask the author specifically, mm -hmm. like there's some ambiguity to all this stuff. And so oh, I right. did my, oh, yeah. Yeah, like paintings so, and stuff when people are like oh so he was going through this so you can you can feel the emotion this maybe maybe he just thought it was cool so he ended up giving me a c on the paper and i ended up passing the class but <laughs> he did not like me at all damn i don't like people like you either <laughs> ouch ouch indeed <laughs> all right so as you were talking about earlier because we we're talking about symbolism mm -hmm. so uh light represents hope beauty and goodness while darkness represents evil fear and mystery okay but sounds about right yep but it's also it, like it, typically it's also a representation of light life and death mm -hmm. and also the juxtaposition of light and dark is kind of interchangeable with good and evil we've kind of established that Yes, um, I think more than anything, the whole opposition of light and dark is just really just a story about opposing sides. Mm -hmm. And most people attribute light to being good right. and dark to being evil. But really, don't go too to, far with that. Okay. <laughs> but most of the time, it's just taking sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so I actually started off with, since, I mean, we've already talked about Star Wars before, but I mean, it's such an obvious light and dark juxtaposition oh my gosh now i can't do say it. that word do it juxtaposition hey <laughs> so this is actually from uh it's weird that i'm qu quoting psychology today on star star wars uh but the light side is about defense peace and objective considered action the dark side is about war aggression greed snap emotion reaction mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. Which it perfectly explains the transition of one pivotal character to his uh, his dark side. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so the Jedi, like, they're always fearful of being seduced by, they just call it the actual dark side. If you really think about it, again, it's associating something with something else. There's associating dark with the Sith, who, mm -hmm. really, if you think about it, the Sith aren't necessarily the bad guys. Um, and we can get into this into the next episode when thinking about alignments. Right. But they just had a different way of going about things. Right. Because the Sith are to the Jedi like uh, like socialism is to capitalism. Right. It's kind of... Actually, that's almost exactly what it is, except for I think not capitalism. It might be something else for the Jedi. I can't remember what the parallel to that is besides that that's po political stuff right we're not supposed but to talk it, about that well i'm talking about their their theories i know i know, on I know. How, um but yeah uh but it's yeah it's that way of thinking like for the sith it's like power is gained and it should be there 
you shouldn't feel ashamed of the power you have. Mm-hmm. You should want to have more power. Whereas a Jedi is like, we're humble. We use our power for good and everybody should be equal. But it's never quite... Again, the Jedi's idea of good is still what they interpret as good. Right. Because a lot of the things that the Jedi did uh, in the past, when you when you read some of the books and even in the movies, like you can tell it's a little iffy, you know? Um, even sometimes people even look at the aspect of them bringing in kids like that would be considered evil because it's against the will of these children. But, but then, the, hmm? but the interesting part is none. So none of that's in the original trilogy, right? Like it's very cut and dry. It's oh yeah, like the, it's technically in the original, yeah, in the original trilogy, the Sith aren't really thought about as the Sith. It's just mm. these are light side dark or people which are the Jedi, and then everybody else is the dark side. And I don't, I don't remember when the first mention of the Sith even came about, except for when they were referring to Emperor Palpatine. I think they said that he's I think, a, in the I think they called him a Sith Lord, but yeah, I don't... in the prequels trilogy. Yeah, I don't think they did it until later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, they didn't really define those things. And even when they did, it was still like these are normal people that have Force powers, but they use them differently. Right. And they have a theory about... And mo- most of it's well, like, they pretty much just called it. I'm pretty sure they just called it the dark side, right? And so, if you think about it, if you think about it, the Sith is just unregulated, as opposed right. to the Jedi, which are heavily regulated, and that's really what it comes down to. So I thought it was kind of interesting in the newest trilogy that it seems like Kylo Ren, like he's on the dark side, but it seems like he was being seduced by the light side, or that's what kind of like yeah. Han Solo was trying to mm-hmm. do. Yep. which it's a, it's a, it's a. It's almost like Fantasy Three. It yeah. comes back around. Yeah, they ha- history I've, repeats, but in reverse. But also, if you look at the 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 newest trilogy, they also kind of paint the Force in general as just this all malleable force that mm. it's not necessary. Wow, Force. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean you're evil, or doesn't necessarily mean you're good. It's just how it's how you use it, right? And just because you're a Sith, like in Kylo Ren, not Ren's, the size of your lightsaber. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> just because Kylo Ren associated with uh, that, uh, I can't. What's his name? I don't remember. Um, doesn't mean necessarily that it's evil and that he has good time, uh, good things about him. But then, man, I can't believe I can't remember actually. No. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, like he, but he did bad things. So again, they they have played around with what's considered these things, and mm. I think in the books before they became non-canon. They definitely looked at that a lot deeper and how kind of what they explained in the trilogies in terms of Anakin's descent, like how one thing can be another by such a margin, such a small margin, mm. like you can turn somebody from light to dark because they just want to save a person. So, right. yeah, and, and that saving a person is what you were talking about earlier is like selfish or snap judgments because at that point, you start to lose the regulation, which would they consider to be the light side. Mm-hmm. And then you go more towards order. Yeah. Structure. Yeah. Um, and then, well, they always talk about keeping a balance in the force, mm-hmm. which implies that there has to be a good side or dead eye. There has to be Sith. There has to be a bad side too. Yeah. But I don't see, that's a little confusing too. I don't know if it's a level of like, there has to be both or that if once just like the, uh, Final Fantasy Three, the flood of light mm-hmm. creates this if there, dark. If there's warriors, all yeah. Jedi's and there's no Sith, then it's eventually it becomes an oppressive right. regime, and 
the the dark side or the Sith are there to balance that out. Yep. But enough about Star Wars. What do we well, got? Well, I got a few more things. So, oh, okay. sorry. Uh, well, it's just it's just I mean, if you take like Star Wars, kind of seems like one of the first light and. <laughs> yep. Will you cannot eat during the podcast? <laughs> that completely threw you off. <laughs> No, I was just taking the original trilogy because it's interesting how it's kind of progressed, you know, like, right. like it's very much bare bone, light and dark. And then they add this complexity to perception in the prequel trilogy. Um, but so something I thought was interesting, this has to do with lighting. Uh, so Luke in the first two movies, he's in white. And then all of a sudden they decided in the last one, he's going to wear black. Mm hmm. Isn't that kind of weird, though? It was a conscious decision. Why do you th- Why do you think that? Because suddenly you go from being innocent and wanting to know more about Force mm-hmm. and and become a Jedi, and then as you went to the third one, it became more about his ideals and like his ah uh, shoot, what do you call it? Uh, his determination, right. which. If you really think about it, like yeah. we said earlier, it starts to be snap judgments. Mm-hmm. It starts to be a lack of order because now he's not thinking about the rules associated with Jedi. He already knows the things. And now he's going forward on his own judgment, which, again, can be perceived as certain things, which they explored in the newest trilogy in terms of the fact that he was om- he was willing to kill a kid. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. Oh, he was almost willing to kill a kid. But if you really think about it, that's him making a judgment. Which the Jedi aren't supposed to be able to do because they shouldn't be thinking like that because they have rules that regulate the way that they think and the way that they act towards certain things. You know what I'm saying? I do. And the black, I think, symbolized uh, um, a little bit of that descent into, or not descent, sorry. It, it symbolized like a, his progression past what is considered the quote unquote Jedi way and more or less. He is a Jedi in title and in ability, but in terms of mindset, he's still, as a Skywalker, they're just independent thinkers. It's mm-hmm. never been, I have to follow the thing, you know? Because think about Darth. He went from being... Or maybe a white glove looks funny over your robot hand instead of a black one. That's true. But also, here's the progression. You get into the new, tri- the new trilogy, yeah. and he's wearing gray robes. Just saying. Yeah. Balance. All right, so actually, let's get away from Star Wars and let's take a quick, quick little break. So I can eat some seaweed. <laughs> yeah. Do they really? This really kind of sounds weird. Oh, and they would go, oh, that guy's mouse. It was kind of funny, though. Like, I don't, I don't know, know what that has to do with light and dark, but. I don't know, because typically the characters that talk like this are actually the good characters. Because it it's a, a light voice? Because they're innocent. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you like the, the transition? <laughs> um, so, just so you guys know, we're still talking about light and dark. I don't know what that was all about. I don't also still going through puberty so sometimes <laughs> my voice sounds like this <laughs> oh man 
definitely not still going. Well, we can talk about teenagers in the dark side and their their dark side. The emo goth phase. (laughs) Well, I don't want to say the goth part. I just no. I'm going goth to teenagers. Well, I was gonna say you have kids that are of that age, and I can kind of see how you're like, oh, I gotta deal with that. Aside from that, I think we all had our emo phase. I mean, we all listened to a little Fallout Boy. I mean, and the funny thing is, my phase, the my phase was that I was a straight up gangster. I highly doubt that. <laughs> well, I thought I was. We all did. <laughs> I remember wearing like the the like the baggy jeans. And, yeah, like, the I did too. Big old was it uh, uh, South remember, Pole shirts? Yeah, uh, I don't think I wore yeah. those. Ugh. Anyway. Oh, and the, and the wide Fubu jeans. And then you had the wallet I with the... I did not wear those either. You had the wallet with the chain on it. I always thought it was really cool, but I never had one. I had one. I just never wore the chain because I thought that was stupid. <laughs> but I thought the chain was cool. I just didn't wear it like, attached to my belt. What? What? What was that reference, sir? St. Lunatics. <laughs> we're back to Nelly again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, so uh, we're talking about... <laughs> Okay. Great transition back to light and dark in media and art. Segway. Uh, <laughs> Segway. So, I, I mean, I really was kind of going back to, well, I did Star Wars first, but even going back to like the Sistine Chapel and uh, the Last Supper, if mm-hmm. you look at the painting, um, like it's all bright and everything, but then like Judah's all like has shadow over him. He's wearing Judas. All- that was Judah. Judas? The one who betrayed him. Yeah. This is Judas. Oh, okay. Well, that Judah, guy. I believe, is the is the tribe back in like the Old Testament. Oh, my bad. Anyway, so so Judas <laughs> is all dressed in black and he's all like in shadow and everything. Miss Mary Mac? She's in light. She's all she's... dressed in black. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God>. Um <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh you, you know, even back then or uh, in, in original monsters um types you know the vampires until they sparkled in the sunlight but they're to be feared during the the night uh the werewolf comes out at night if you look at dr jekyll mr hyde like he's all cool during the day and then at nighttime that's when mr hyde comes out right so even also okay so the nice thing about uh dr jekyll and mr hyde they also did that thing where um the morality changed between the two, do, right. the two different forms, as well as the form, as well as like personality and everything. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it's like he had to be polar opposites, both. But the nice thing about it is, they, the, Hulk. the funny thing is, they switched the names. Like Doctor Jekyll is the good one, and Mister Hyde is the bad one. Right. So you would kind of think Jekyll sounds like a beastie kind of right. thing, and and for the longest time, I actually thought it was the opposite until I actually read the story, and I'm like. Oh, there's a reason why he's doctor and not. Anyways, I don't really know when the first like vampire or werewolf stories were, but I thought it was like for Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. I didn't even know it was a film. It was a 1913 film. I didn't know it was a film originally. I, I thought, thought it was, was a book, book originally. Yeah, but yeah, I thought so too. I thought. Uh, so it's the uh, Judah's the uh, son of uh, uh, the fourth son of Jacob, and he's the founder of the tribe of Judah. Judas is the is the betrayer. My bad. Hey, doesn't mean you know. Um, 
but but a lot of uh like a lot of art and uh going back to art and everything and films and everything they they just do this with color as well like even like the lion king like the proud lions are all like super bright and then you have that elephant graveyard and it's all dark and decaying and everything even the colors of the lions oh even the colors of the lions you think the colors are whatever yeah they're the darker uh, and then representing death, you know, because it's an elephant graveyard. So mm-hmm. that's the darks representing that death there. Yep. Um, and then uh, sometimes when you're, when, hmm, I forgot, I'm not supposed to say, say the, the, the name of this movie. <laughs> Why not? Why wouldn't you say it? Because <laughs> I don't know. It's a good movie and I don't want to spoil it for people. <laughs> okay. Now you're spoiling it, but okay, cool. <laughs> what's in the box <laughs> so so it's interesting in this particular movie uh what's in the box uh that the whole movie is completely it's at nighttime it's always it seems like it's always dark mm-hmm. um except for maybe if like if you're if they're in the apartment with with those two you know mm-hmm. it's, the room's all lit up and everything but i mean yeah, it's but like not until like the final act of the movie is there cons- is light. Yeah, yeah, it's out in the open and everything, and it's I I love how they do that because they make it seem like lights triumphs, mm-hmm. and they they're tricking you. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, but it's interesting because uh, in that movie, like it's completely dark and everything, but like to give that same impact at the end, you know, they had to show that first of all that their relationship is not not perfect but it's a, they have a really solid amazing solid relationship, relationship yeah. yeah and then they and then they show that hey she's she's pregnant which also represents life new life mm-hmm. new light you know mm-hmm. new hope right because children are considered innocent until they're corrupted mm-hmm. by the world right um that that's all oh, okay <laughs> So I mean, I, we can go into that philosophically. I mean, and and it's hard talking about a movie without naming it. Theologically, then I want to avoid spoilers, so that's tricky. Yeah. Well, then we can move on from that, then. Okay, let's do it. Um, so going into like anime, comic books, um, video games, video games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting that like so the 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 pillar of all that's good in DC Comics, the Paragon, if you will. What's his name? Superman, of course. But how does he get his power? From the sun, <laughs> which the is sun, a light. Which is light, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's it's pretty lazy that who, the main bad guy, they just call him Darkseid. <laughs> <laughs> but they like is change it lazy the name. Or is it creative? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and Darkseid is not, is, they rearrange some of the letters, so it's Darkseid. Seid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of dark side, but then uh, it's funny because uh, like, like the uh, in Dragon Ball, like they kind of got lazy too. Like they started, they did the the Goku Black. Um, I would say, yeah, naming conventions—they're not the best at that. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I mean, because now they're just like Super Saiyan Blue. It went from like being Super Saiyan God, like the red mm-hmm. one, and they're like Super Saiyan Blue, and then yeah. like Super Saiyan. Uh, and then Goku Black went Super Saiyan Crimson or something like that, or didn't they when they no, blended with Zamasu. Crimson. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Cri- yeah, it was like 
Yeah, they're just coloring things up. And I think <laughs> at this point, Toriyama's probably just like, you guys want it, I'm giving it to you. But it's gonna eventually I'm going to run out of different adjectives and we're just going to have to go with colors, okay? So moving on from that, going to the video games. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I thought it was really interesting in the in the Bioshock games and and maybe I'm not it's not 100% but like in the in the original Bioshock game when you're in um crap what is it? Rapture Rapture thank you uh Rapture you know like it's all in chaos already it's mm-hmm. all darkness there mm-hmm. and i always felt like your character was like the only good in there even though you're being manipulated mm-hmm. but you come out of this game into the light you're the you're the savior and everything right so he he's the light is the like dark. this weird moral ambiguity story though because technically you're still going around killing folks and but they're all even, crazy so it's okay that's not okay and <laughs> i mean if anything you are taking the role of like a templar mm-hmm. and that you're going through and cleansing what you consider to be right. evil um at the at the behest of this uh, at this uh, of this other person who believes themselves to be the paragon uh, of of uh, of moral sanctity right so he talks to you as if he knows everything that's good and forces you or encourages you to 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 follow in his crusade to to make things quote unquote better mm-hmm. you know so it is really like a like like it's a the reason why I think that game was so I, good is because it never really established, uh, or it established, sorry, but it never really quite defined and told the player what was good and what was bad. Right. Because the endings that you got were not even really based off of the thing that you would have thought it would be. And, well, I mean, people oh, after I you play... Honestly, I, I actually did some research on this one. Mm-hmm. And then after I did the research, I was like, ah, it doesn't work as well as I wanted. But then I still put it in because I was like, I like those games. I'll and then you're like, Will's going to tear this apart. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that too. Because then like the, because for them, the moral quandary was all based on like for their ending. It was mm-hmm. based on that you saved or used these children to get your, to, to get to the end, you know? Right. And even then that still has like this moral gray area er, the moral gray area because those children were already they're like forever doomed are you putting them out of your their misery um and if anything when you kill them that's kind of putting them out of the misery but then if you like soothe them you're just making them feel better about their not so good situation right so are you doing good by leaving them to be tormented and, and well, like rely like, on they these they do leave your presence Hmm? They do leave you presents when yeah, you do that. I, I understand that. <laughs> but like but think about it. Like these kids were already like genetically manipulated and will live a life being dependent on this this substance, you know? Mm-hmm. Almost like an addict. Um and at that point, you know they're an addict that's forever cursed for this and you can't provide them with the thing to cure them. They can't be cured. And so you either kill them or you just make them feel better about their situation. But leave them in that situation, nonetheless. So there's that. There's that. I don't know. I mean, it, it, like, so just because there's not a cure yet, I mean, when you save them, it still is a represent, representation of hope. Of, of hope, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I again, I think that game did really good at not saying you're good, you're bad. This is good. Oh, this yeah. is bad. Yeah. Except for at the end, 
and even the endings there's like they went off to a uh to to a spoil it gosh they went off to a place and then (laughs) in the other end they just don't do anything you just go out there by yourself so So i I actually thought it worked so we'll go in the bioshock infinite a little bit later on but uh, i actually liked how the how they did the lighting in that one because when you go there to first crap how do i not know the name of both places any other time i would like the city in the sky typically i would know what it was called but of course i'm doing a podcast that i can't remember now yeah i don't remember either that's funny um Um, so there's shoot okay continue it doesn't matter i'll figure it out no no it does matter (laughs) so it's interesting how when you go there it's all this it's just bright and beautiful and it's this ray of hope and then as you progress through the game the lighting goes completely dark it's all stormy there and actually like one of the last places you go is it's kind of these dark corridors in this um and there's there's like these ghost things there pretty much um it's columbia Colum- oh, okay I, so I actually one of the that. things i want to point out is oh, you that know what? i wrote down in my notes later on that it's columbia Wow. So one of the things I wanted to point out about Bioshock's uh, settings is Don't actually... Don't go too far into Bioshock Infinite because I actually have more for it later on. Oh, no, the first one. Okay. Um, oh, so okay. you were talking about how Bioshock Infinite starts out with like this light area, right? That descends mm-hmm. into darkness. If you think about it, technically Rapture starts off as a light area. If you start to go through the audio logs, it starts... It started sure, off as yes. this... Yes. This this uh this this place that everything was good, everything's progressive, we're all equal and we're better than mankind because we have learned to embrace nature and we have become one with it with the plasmids and whatnot and we become better than nature now. I mean realistically And then it descended into darkness. Because of addiction. Hmm? I mean realistically it's a little bit about addiction. Right. That's that's how that's how And then Bioshock or and then Infinite did the did a took a different route but because we in the uh, we'll talk about that later yeah um yeah it just took a different route but it was a light that descended into darkness mm-hmm. um, or good intention sorry so do you know who else is lazy about when they're making video games and the whole light and dark thing who <laughs> nintendo's kind of lazy Let's, so, nintendo's always been lazy about it but it's because and i'll say it time and time again gameplay first yeah i know so mario sunshine there's a dark mario zelda 2 you fight a dark link Metroid Prime 2, you fight Dark Samus. In, in Kid Icarus, there's a dark pit. And then even, like, Sega's, like, trying to join the bandwagon, too, with its Shadow the Hed- Hedgehog. Shadow the Edgelord. Edgelord? What? I'm just kidding. Okay. I, he he's, he's, what? Anyways, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, one of my favorite actual cinematic depictions between light and dark is actually in the Hobbit movie. It's when Gandalf fights the necromancer, mm-hmm. and and the visualized Gandalf it, the Gray, he or is Gandalf, Gandalf the Gray at the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the Hobbit, yeah, in the original Hobbit. Or actually, I think it might be uh, the desolation of Smog that this scene happens in. Okay. But but basically, it's just it's uh, Gandalf going through this old abandoned castle area mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's all this dark cloud starts enveloping him and he uses his magic and makes this like light spear around him and would you say it was like an orb orb yes orb <laughs> no it's a spear i'm gonna go with spear um sphere and and it's so simple because all it is is like this ebb and flow of of 
who's going to be, you know, who's going to take over, you know, like this is like this bubble that expands and contracts with the lightness, but it just, I don't know, visually it just looks so amazing to me, mm-hmm. you know, it's so like impactful. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a visual representation of that fight, mm-hmm. and it's, it, those those kinds of things are awesome. I think that's the reason why they make for good media um, is giving a contrast. Because I think us as being simple people, that you get if you define a contrast, it makes it easy for the player or for the uh, for the viewer to right. to kind of know like either where their allegiance lies or at least kind of what perspective they're going to be in, you know? It's just so impressive because it's such, I mean, just light versus dark. I mean, I'm sure that in the books, that's how it's just described, you know, but like just, just for them to make such an impressive visualize, visualization, mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy that. Yeah. So moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one that I have no idea where this is going to go. <laughs> so there's actually... Uh, they'd actually did a study, this is concerning sports, but they actually did a study showing that teams that were all black mm-hmm. actually are more penalized than the other teams. Okay, did not know that. Yes, I that was really cool. wasn't expecting to go there, but that's okay. <laughs> that's cool. Um, I think that, I mean, sure, statistics might say something, but I, I think if you base things on statistics, there's always a chance that you have to account for I don't know. Is it like overwhelming that all the teams that wear black are always penalized? It wasn't it like, overwhelming, but it just yeah. statistically like they yeah. they do, you know. Like that, they at the end kind of the of year sucks. they end up yeah. They end up with the most penalties. Which is So is that why we have more light jerseys than dark jerseys? Is that kind of like a thing? Maybe. Hmm. But I mean for the longest time or the maybe o- dark jerseys only for expansion teams. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Because nobody likes those. I'm just well, kidding. for the longest time the Oakland Raiders uh, were seen as like the bad guys in the NFL. Yeah, I almost feel like though they kind of they they lean into that. Actually, I think they that. still are. Yeah. Well, I'm it's sure they lean into now. it, but yeah. Anyways, I'm not huge football person, so I don't know all about the things. But that's kind of that's kind of almost like like that weird background perception of mm-hmm. of uh, a black of the suit. symbolism and everything yeah like, like it's if so you see ingrained him, in us you know like in um like western movies the white hat was the good guy and the black hat was always the yeah. bad guy like it was you just knew that was the bad cowboy mm-hmm. unless of course the movie decided to turn it on his head and the black hat guy was just like a vigilante and he had no regard for the law but he was still considered <laughs> like the good guy because he just wanted to do good but he didn't want to do it within the confines of the law which again we'll get into some some other time but yeah so this this is actually the part where it gets a little bit more interesting. So <gasps> we have all these stories where it's just so basic, light and dark. And then they started adding a layer of complexity by requiring this balance between light and dark. Like, and in order to balance this podcast, I recommend we take a break. Okay, cool. David's mm-hmm are very complex, mm-hmm. like the layers of complexity added to the balance between light and dark. <laughs> Dang! Why are you whispering into it too? I don't, I'm not whispering. It I'm sounds simply, like you're whispering. I've got I've got an NPR voice going on. You know, uh, it's, it's the very today we talk about <laughs> the thing. <laughs> nice. 
Really? <laughs> Noise. <laughs> Noise. <laughs> uh, so before the break, we said we're going to talk about adding a layer of complexity by requiring a balance between light and dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was weird that my first thought actually went to inside out. So I initially looked at it and I was like, He's talking about something I don't know about. And then I was like, is this the, are we talking about the Pixar thing? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, (laughs) let me know what you got. So it's not exactly light and dark, but it has to do with the fact that there's, there's the different characters, one's happiness, one's sad. And basically the whole moral of the story is, have you seen this movie? Yes. Okay. I don't have to feel bad for spoiling it for you. Sure. (laughs) Because who knows? I'll eventually want to see it one day. (laughs) But uh, the whole moral of the story essentially is that in order to have this happiness, you have to experience the sad times too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's a little bit has to do with that what's in the box movie because, you know, for that dark... <laughs> you really don't want to say the movie that inside, badly. Yeah. Uh, going from that very dark ending, you know, you had to have that light of the baby to make that last part so impactful you know so um and then i want to talk about uh cloak and dagger okay sorry before we get into cloak and dagger so when you're talking about adding a layer of complexity um by requiring the balance Mm -hmm. like you're saying that not only does light and dark exist but there is special rules that ensure that they exist in contrast. I, well, I probably went a little loose with it, but basically that they they need they, each other. They either need each other or um, one, one supports the other. One begets the other. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I I think as you were explaining that, I was I was trying to get a handle on how the section was going to go. But right. okay, I get it now. Um. So, so I actually didn't know anything about Cloak and Dagger, and I've been wanting to watch the TV show. Mm-hmm. I just looked interesting i heard it was good so i took this chance to get to know these characters okay and uh he's not a little creepy but okay <laughs> i just loki stalked just them stalked them on the <laughs> internet um so dagger her powers are uh so she she channels the the light force dimension and then okay. cloak channels the dark force dimension which is really weird because there's just so many dimensions in the marvel universe like yes like oh, we know cyclops like he channels his optic blast from like i don't know it's like the, the red w- dimension no I don't it's know. not the red dimension it's it's like it's it's seriously something weird it's like the plaid dimension or i, I don't know why it it's not be plaid. plaid don't be hating on plaid it's, it's not plaid but it sound it just seems so we support you lumberjacks yep there you go and hipsters okay uh so <laughs> The way this one works is is Cloak needs dagger and kind of the other way around too. So Cloak actually he needs light in order to survive. Like okay. like he needs light energy. Okay. And unless dagger expels her light powers, if she just holds on to these light powers, she'll actually like essentially she won't die, but she'll release them all in an explosion. Okay. So in turn dagger basically feeds cloak this white light like it's a light drug or something and she siphons he siphons it from her and yeah in order to be balancing each other mm-hmm. that's adorable is it i thought it was pretty cool 
Um, and isn't their story like kind of like this whole thing where they, it, like it starts as a as a friendship of convenience because they both have these things that are the antithesis of the other or that help the other survive. And then it turns into like this weird teenage kind of love story, but it, not quite because they don't so really in, like each other, the comics, but then they kind of do. Never, I guess in the comics, they've never like kissed or anything. It's not ro- romantic. It's more okay. of a mutual relationship. I'm not. I haven't watched TV. I shows, think the so TV show delves a little bit into that, but I think it also. Well, it's a it, TV show, right? But it also does this. I think it also does this thing where, um, especially something that's become a lot more popular in media nowadays, like that a man does not need a woman and mm. to define them, or a woman does not need a man to define her, like that kind of thing. So it's like a. Uh, kind of th- if you think of like the like the frozen thing where it's like oh just because it's a prearranged thing doesn't mean you have to like you don't have to love him because your parents told him told me or told you you have to love right, him, right, right. that kind of thing so i kind of feel like, like the one good thing i liked out of frozen was that they right? were conveying that concept um and i think well i mean this is like a perfect platform probably for that tv show for them to like possibly have admiration for each other and still have that platonic relationship Mm. that doesn't require that they love each other right but the fact that they are in a symbiotic relationship they will they're close Um, almost like just a really good friend you know Mm. and just have yeah it's that's that's again that's like a weird way of exploring the complexity of of uh of things that otherwise are have been predefined as things that fit together Mm. And then saying, no, 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 we're just, co- we're cohabitating the space. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, it's pretty I'm, cool. I'm pretty excited to watch this show. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know how. It's very the, much looks like a teen drama, but okay. Uh, I, I watched the first episode and it, it didn't feel like that as much as the trailers made it seem. Right. So, oh, almost like they might be trying to draw in the like teens the, with that. Yeah. 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 Um, so in the comic, I thought was really interesting is. And they obviously didn't do this in the show. Is is that cloak? Like mm-hmm. his character is not very confident, and he has this huge stutter. Okay. And uh, and he's he's kind of like this. He wants to do good, you know, in the world essentially, but because of where he is in his life, he has to do bad in order to survive. Okay. And then dagger, she's completely well off. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of this chaotic character that right. you know. they tried to do. They went, they they dug really deep into the opposing, like, right? Whether it be lifestyles or or privilege or other things. Yeah, I can see. I can see how this would be like a is an interesting kind of like a case study. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like it. I like it. I don't know I if I'll like ever watch the show, but I I do like the content. I think we should watch both watch it and do a podcast on it. Sure, man. <laughs> we don't have to. Yeah. Or if it turns out it's really good, I'll I'll tell you and then we can talk oh. about it then. Yeah. So uh I was looking and apparently there's a book series called the Sword of Truth series. Yeah, we've talked about it before. And uh I'm curious, what is what does Anne say to Richard? So that's like the weirdest segue. Um <laughs> right. Um, so I guess pretty much what you're trying to <laughs> trying to trying to bring in is uh uh, sort of truth also handles light and dark in like this in that weird symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. as well um they they have it to where the creator is what people refer to as the light mm-hmm. but technically the creator is just life and then there's the keeper or the one we, whose name we do not say 
and he she it is death and um one of the things that uh prelate Anne, who is over the sisters of the light they constantly believe in we praise the keeper all the things we do are for the keeper we're all for life 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 but one of the things she points out and being as educated as she is because she's over this the palace of prophets where they have all these books of prophecy and they're able to see things that are told to them about the future and all this other stuff. So they're able to help like guide the world and hopefully protect the world from catastrophe with these prophecies at hand. And one of the things she sees in in all of this knowledge that she's gathering is that really, and I'm not supposed to say this because if I do, I'll be considered a heretic is that we need the keeper. Mm -hmm. The keeper is what keeps the, Wow. That's what keeps the balance. <laughs> what keeps the balance of the world of life. Because if there was nobody to take our dead, then we would always live. And if we always lived, then we would eventually turn as evil as as what we consider the keeper to be. And almost like we have to die. <laughs> we have an expiration date. And in doing that, that's why... Like that's why, like I see the necessity of the keeper. Which, is it expiration date or a sold by date? Expiration for sure. Okay. Um, like it it, sold, when it's gone. If it was sold by, then then you still have some leeway you afterwards. Have more time, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, well, I think, and the big thing they explore is like even the Palace of Prophet is actually sur- it's surrounded in this force field that makes time go slower. And as the series goes along, you find out that that force field is not just like. A magic spell that did the thing it's actually a connection to the underworld which is where the keeper resides and the keeper resides in the underworld which is like a uh which is i think i explained it when we were talking about time travel right he exists exists in a place Outside where all time exists time at once compression right so i am like how much do you because we've talked about this a few times how much do you recommend this series it's hard to fully recommend the series because there's a lot of things and if you look it up online you'll find that a lot there's several people that have problems with it because there are several parts of it that seem very misogynistic um it seems there's a lot of there's a lot of rape in the series um and for me and this is as a storyteller i saw it as ways to push the story and motivate characters and things like that but i did see some of it as kind of gratuitous and and unnecessary so recommending for an overall story i thought the story was beautiful i thought the i thought the the love story which kind of evolved into a love story but at the same time you kind of kind of saw it coming but even though you saw it coming and you felt almost like it might have been undeserved then it gets to like it almost like they lay the framework you know this person will love this person and then as the story goes along uh like when they have the chance to get married so many times that gets delayed and i think for right. me it was one of those things where it's like you're not ready you're not ready let's expl- let's explore your love for this other person so it's realistic yes exactly <laughs> let's explore your love for this person until you know for sure and even though you say you know for sure let's let's strengthen that bond let's make sure that even after going through all these things you still love that person more than anything and then once they finally do get married it's like a it's a whole different type of story after that because now it's like these, now it's the story is taking place, um, kind of like a the space love story that we were writing before. Like after they've oh, already, right, fa- right. after they've already fallen in love, and after like after they've been married, and now it's like a, 
it's a story exploring what that could mean in uh in the bonds and how how that strength can attribute to I like to it when we, actions. we plant Easter eggs for story game ideas that <laughs> right um but uh, yeah it's, it's it's i think it's a, i think it's a great series books are super thick um there's like like thick with two c's um th- some so people, I, some people I, get whenever that. you talk about it, i always <laughs> wonder if it's a series that you've pulled the very interesting things out and that's what we've talked about or if it's actually like a pretty it's a very interesting series yeah. it's a very good series i think um it's an investment Okay. I think it's like 15 books for the original series and there's like some not spin-off series but they're like series after the fact but you can almost finish the original 15 I think and then just be done with it. Is and it coming th- the showtime? No. <laughs> Actually they had a short run on public or on like a, oh, really? on like cable. It's called The Legend of the Seeker. I don't recommend it. Oh. They the thing is he helped write it and it was like this weird well, I've thing. I've actually heard of this. Yeah, it was this weird thing, but it was like he was like we had to like make these new stories within the story t- to like round out the episodes and yeah. I'm just like to me I was like that makes no sense, but I guess yeah. if he was planning on it getting enough episodes to go into syndication, then you kind of look at that you look at it that sense. way. Mm-hmm. Self and So for me, I was like thinking it was like they could have done and this is before I had even seen Game of Thrones. They could have done like full story or not full stories they could have just done the story straight through and then chopped it for episodes mind you these books are big and there's a lot in them so it would be like a like a it'd be a 13 episode arc for a book hmm. like you know which means to me since there's 15 big books it's like 15 seasons of you know 13 episodes for each book and like going through all the stuff and still being able to tell all the stuff nice thing about these books is at the most there's usually only two maybe three like um parallel stories so unlike game of thrones where there's like 16 stories going on at once where they have to like oh it takes so long to do all the things this the sort of truth novels are pretty pretty standard on like three at the most and when there's most of the time we'll get rid of one of them early on because they'll blend we're literally only telling the story to get it's almost like starting a season off telling starting starting a season off not from the end of the last season but from the perspective of a completely new character. Oh, well, that happens plenty. Right. And, I, and that's what that's what the books do sometimes. Right. They start off from another character. They tell their story for a couple chapters in. And you're like, wow, this story is intriguing. And then suddenly, suddenly it takes that, that little turn, that slight, slight turn. And then you start to hear some names and some locations. And you're like, hold on. My, my main character has been here before. <laughs> and then suddenly, like, they just blend the stories together. And you start to see how this little kid like heavily influences this whole book because of the way they felt about this thing and how they were manipulated to this thing. It's like a whole thing. And I think it would make a perfect TV series. The only problem is, like I said, there's a lot of rape. Um, then again, again, I see, I see game. So of it Thron- needs to be on Skinamax. No, it has to be, actually be on. I think HBO would do perfect. It could be it. anime. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think this it's, it's so high fantasy that yeah. it, it would be, it would benefit from the game of Thrones treatment, like not holding back on certain things. Right. But I do think that I I feel like getting male and a lot of other I feel like it's a necessity to have female writers on this series um, because uh, they would be able to bring a possible different way of telling these certain parts that may not be as like, as misogynistic as as it is. It's it's one of those series I would I definitely want to see it done, but. There's a lot of prerequisites going into it. <laughs> There's gonna some some. I uh, wish I had as much time as I, I love reading books. I just don't have as much time as I used to. So Audiobooks. 
I know. Well, then I'm too busy listening to. If you hit up audio uh, Audible with our code, you can get. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're Wait, good. Do we friends. have that? No, I wish. Uh, so uh, it's really weird because we're gonna go about talking about stories with rape, and the next thing I have on here is Kingdom Hearts. It seems very polar opposite. Uh, so this is just a quote from it. This is like, I think this is at the very beginning of the game, but it says the closer you stand to the light, the larger your shadow becomes. And I just, yeah, I, I like the sim- symbolism of that, uh, quote or whatever. Physics are about right. I should on have that just put that at the very beginning of this segment. That way it made more sense. You're so garbage. <laughs> uh, you want to tell me a little bit about, uh, soul edge and soul from soul caliber. Not really. Okay. Um, no, I'm just kidding. There, um, so, Soul Edge and Soul Calibur, like they've always had this. It was one of those background stories. It's a fighting game. Wait, is there is Soul Edge a game and Soul Calibur a game? No, it was Soul Blade, uh, and then it went to Soul Calibur. Got it, got it. Got it. Um, because I believe at the end of Soul Blade is when the when the blade split, and there was mm. two. No, might have been the end of like Soul Calibur one or two or something like that, where it split. Um, and then like there was like the there was the Soul. I want to say there's the Soul caliber was the one that kept it, it always it soul needed a edge host was the, was the is the evil one and soul caliber is the bad one i don't remember i don't really remember let's either. just say one sword had like the symbiotic relationship with uh, a character named Siegfried who ended up becoming nightmare and it was like fueled by his hatred so he's bad Siegfried is not um nightmare is yes oh okay got it um, oh, okay. But it's fueled, but Siegfried becomes Nightmare um, because of his hatred fueling the the blade to influence, uh, giving the blade more power, and then the blade taking that power that it got from the hatred to mm. overtake him and become like a harbinger of destruction or whatever. Um, and because there's a soul that I think exists with with within the blade that feeds off of that. In order to bring itself about in the real world or whatever. So what's the whole balance part? Um, the balance is that the soul edge or soul caliber, whatever the opposite is. This, yeah. It's like this. So think about uh, so the bad one is like this giant sword that has, or it can be any weapon, Isn't but it typically has like this has little like eye on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it just inherently looks evil, right? Mm. And then you have the other one, which is like this nice eyes blue evil? and, huh? Why are eyes evil? Because they portray a lot of things. Hmm. Um the other one is like this blue kind of like polished silver kind of blade looking thing. And it again, I think all of the blade, the blade can take the form of like the preference of the person. So if it was like Ivy that was holding it, it'd be like a chain blade right, type right. soul oh, blade that. thing. Um, it, I've oh, only played that game once. I bought, I bought one of them. And that's only because I could be Link. Yeah, I'm sure. The GameCube run. Yeah. Go figure. Um, yeah. <laughs> It, it's like this weird thing. It's like they always have. It's like they um, shoot. I can't. Remember. There's a parallel to the series uh, where like they're always attracted to each other. So they have to fight. They have to do. They have to do battle. It's good and evil, but they're also attracted to each other because they come from the same thing. Right. They are literally the same weapon that fractured. And I think what actually happened is there's not exactly two of them. There's multiple fragments that were like shattered to the world. Yeah, and people I read that. Fragments well, were going into Soul their... Caliber is a fragment of Soul Edge. Soul Edge, yeah. yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that's how it goes, yeah. Yeah, just, it's the it, again, it the names, there's too many 
too many pronouns and whatnot yeah. thrown around. I don't know what the exact is, but it is really like these fragments that would like merge with people's weapons and then like take them on this journey to like they have to. It's almost like this weird thing is like depending on who's wielding the blade with their intention, if they were to defeat soul, the the corrupted soul edge, right. i.e. nightmare, then they can make it a good blade kind of thing. Maybe but it's they like can a make soul edge a good blade. Yes, it's like the original pure Soul Edge or whatever, but I think it's kind of like the the fighting game trope where everybody has their ending and that ending is what they right, make right. of it and then they pick one of those so endings. So there's no like canon, canon story really. There's just There is of, a canon story oh, okay. and I think it has which I think they fully fleshed out in the newest Soul Calibur. Um but again, I don't really follow it too much. Yeah. yeah it's not that great. No. Huh. It's a little corny, but yeah. So uh so moving on from that one, um so, everyone's favorite, uh, Dragon Ball GT, uh, had an example of this because it said that because they were making all these, uh, all the good guys are making all these good wishes, and yeah. so whenever it was basically like the good wishes expelled goodness from the Dragon Ball, and when it does did that, like there's no counterbalance, and so the energy that's within it is evil essentially. And then it built up and it made the dragons, right? Well, I don't, I don't see. I wasn't clear if it built up or if it basically was like it's a balance inside the Dragon Ball, and you're expelling the goodness. And once all the goodness is gone, it might be the other way. It could be the fact that there's goodness and then the the evil builds up. But I wasn't really sure. I I couldn't really remember. But then in turn, like it it creates these like evil monsters. But then it should be the reverse logic. So if bad guys are always one's winning and making all these wishes eventually like these good dragons should come out of it right which always keeps balance right i like it it's pretty cool um you won't hear that much about gt though <laughs> and then uh, and then dragon ball super kind of dabbled with it uh you know because you have the su- supreme kais that are creating everything and then they have the gods of destruction that destroy things so that new things could be created and then uh, they had the whole balance where if one of the Supreme Kai dies, then the God of Destruction dies as well. Which is weird that these gods are dying, but... Yeah, but then there's there's Zen-sama or Zen-osama that just probably creates another one. <laughs> and creates a, another one of itself, too, and... Because reasons. <laughs> that's one of the That's one of the more convoluted... Time travel, dimensional, <laughs> blending, compression, craps. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's interesting in a way because, I mean, this character is a ultimate creator. So it that almost feels somehow like... is a child. <laughs> but I guess that speaks to like the theory that creation is. There is like certain things that say that being us existing is just a game. And so if you look at it from that perspective, that like, what are we considered a mistake? Are we considered an anomaly? Also, does that mean that the person who made us is, uh, didn't really think about it before they did it? Can we say that that would be only the actions that a child would take to create things that would destroy themselves? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Like, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's definitely commentary for sure. Right. Um, but yeah. That's that's yeah. So now that's that we've gotten this deep stuff, do we take a break or do we just keep on chucking along? Let's take a break, man. Okay.
Are you ready to talk about the three teachings? Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Wait, are you really? <laughs> yeah. So we have, Let's get into it. We have five minutes to talk about everything about Buddhism, Taoism, and Confucius, Confucianism. Confucianism? Confucianism? <laughs> No, we're not. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about. Um, well, I was legitimately bit. interested, but okay, continue. <laughs> that that is definitely outside of the scope of this of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are going to talk about uh, light isn't always good, and 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 darkness isn't always evil. And you can take that. Ooh. Yeah. I, the, honestly, this could have been its own podcast. Um, so two ways you can take that is that one, they are equal. And then the other is that they are opposite, as in, as in, sorry, that as I said, light isn't good and darkness isn't always evil. Right, they're opposing forces, but not, but defining which one is the good one and the bad one is pretty much up to the the observer, if you will. Right. Um, and so, I took it out of uh, Taoism, uh, the yin 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 and yang. Um, so yin represents darkness and water, mm-hmm. and I didn't know this, but it also represents woman. And then yang represents light and fire and man. Okay. But instead of them being two separate forces, they actually work together and complement each other. Right. And if you look at... sides of the same coin. Right. If you look at yin and yang, the symbol, there is the white portion and the black portion, but there's also black portion inside of the white portion Mm -hmm. and the white portion inside of the black portion. Suggesting a symbiotic relationship. So I used to think like the yin and yang symbol was super awesome, and then I was like, "Well, it's pretty basic. Why did I think it was so awesome?" And then I read this, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, it man, is awesome! It is awesome!" Yeah. So I like those kinds of things. That's pretty cool. Uh, so talking about a few. Well, actually, I'll just I'll just talk about Godzilla. What? <laughs> you just skipped over what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I'll talk about after Godzilla though. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, it's just it's interesting because. You know, Godzilla is perceived as as bad when he first comes out, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, oh, Godzilla's actually good. He's Earth's defender." Yeah, yeah, but he still be do- he's like a he's like a vigilante. <laughs> yeah. He's he's the monster. It's the monster we need, not or he's the monster we deserve. Not unless the it's like the Matthew want. Broderick Godzilla, the lizard one. Yeah, where he has little like little babies or whatever. Oh gosh, that was, hey, all his little Godzukis. <laughs> Godzukis. <laughs> yeah, that one is adorable and awful. <laughs> they just look like little raptors, and he looks mm-hmm. like a big old raptor with a big old tail. Yeah, that's about all. It was a weird one. I don't like it that much. But like Godzilla does. He does kind of illustrate the whole idea that oh, it's big, it's big, and it destroys things. It must be evil. But then there's other people that interpret it as no. He, he's the only one who can fight Mothra. He's mm-hmm. the only one that can fight Ghidorah. Like he's like, just big and clumsy. Yeah. You also, I don't think he fights Mothra. But anyways, yeah. He fights Mothra. Okay, I don't remember. I'm not a huge like the hugest Godzilla. He fan. may he may be fighting King Kong in a movie soon. Who knows? Who knows? He has already fought him in, a, in an old movie, but, you know, that is what it is. Uh, so, currently, I'm playing uh, Tales of Berseria. Mm-hmm. Berseria? Mm-hmm. And did you ever play Tales of Zesteria? I started it. Like, I had no clue until, like, halfway through that game. I'm like, why are these characters... I This character looks familiar. And apparently, 
Tales of Pisaria takes place a thousand years before Zestiria. Really? Yeah, which is weird because I don't think they've ever. I don't remember them ever doing that in one of the Tales games. How much you want to bet? Like all of them have been connected, and you just never knew. And I never knew. Yeah. Right, maybe. Uh, but in that Basaria game, it, you know, it's they, they sorry, they do have kind of like a syndrical like uh, storyline in that it seems like everything always repeats itself in terms mm-hmm. of like there's always that fight for by one the shepherd type character right. to to bring everything back into the to the normal thing and then it always goes bad again. Well, I mean, I wonder. I mean, in a way, these two games are kind of opposite because it's it's. I mean, the main character in this uh, Velvet. She's kind of the war. She's like a warrior of darkness, right? And then she's going against the light side. But mm-hmm. realistically, the light side—the light side—is dark. Is dark, yeah. And and even though she's kind of chaotic, she's kind of chaotic neutral. But um, I guess she, she's what we call in in the industry an anti-hero. Yeah, she has this thing where she has she actually has the moral compass of a good guy, mm-hmm. but she has. <laughs> But she has this, uh, or she has the like an alien, a- strong hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like, I gotta do the thing. All these rules are getting in my way. Yeah, I have to. Um, uh, famous antiheroes would be people like uh, like a Deadpool. Um, some people might consider Batman to be somewhat of an antihero because of his vig- vigilantism. Um, mm-hmm. Though at the same time, he's usually categorized as a hero because he does an overwhelming amount of good. And that kind of thing, like, because he is supposed to be a paragon of good. But I think also, again, it's harder to categorize him as an antihero considering that the the links he has to go to to go against the overwhelming evil that his opponents are. So We will yeah. definitely get into that next podcast yeah. for sure. But uh, so one of the things about this Basaria game that I liked is, and, and a lot, I guess a lot of games do this, or stories do this, where, mm-hmm. you know, like, even though her side seems, you know, appears to be bad or that side appears to be good, like in that good section, there are bad people. Or on that light section, there are plenty of bad people, but there are still good people in that light. And just like the other side, there's plenty of bad people in this dark, but then there's still good people in there. Right. So the, the yin and yang thing. Yeah. It's exactly that. What? All right, go ahead. Yeah, Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen does uh, a really nice thing about this as well. Now they did it early on in, like in the in the I think I want to say the the Heaven's Ward expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, That's but a they, good one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, they kind of they explore the idea like we were talking about in the Final Fantasy three episode, and that there ha- like Warriors of Light come to balance the world when there is an overwhelming amount of darkness and and in the opposite case it happens as well when there's an overwhelming amount of light the words darkness come to balance that now in the game do recycle themes mm -hmm. now this game you are always a warrior of light you always have been and the warriors of darkness actually exist in like another realm um, because the warriors of darkness actually have they they do cross over into the into this realm that you exist in as well and there's like this kind of thing where they're fighting against you because you're the thing that they've always fought against in their in their realm and then finally it's like you kind of like help them to solidify their purpose and you send them back to their place so that they can fight the light and 
be that balance that is necessary. Right. So really what it comes down to is your 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 light or your darkness is not necessarily what defines what you do. It's actually the balance that you are fighting to it's adhere to. You do to define you. Is that is that Batman? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's I think. Uh, sure whatever man it's, <laughs> it's a very very movie-esque thing to do yeah um but yeah so they're doing that and then it's funny like the trailer for this uh for this game or for the newest expansion for final fantasy 14 had come out and they kind of they're like you know what let's delve deeper into this whole warrior of darkness thing let's th- delve deep in, deeper into this idea that a good guy can be the bad thing while or what's perceived as a bad thing while still performing good. Also, it doesn't help that we already have the Dark Knight class, which is technically somebody that kind of like communes with darkness, you know, in order to empower them to do the right thing or, you know, to protect the light, which is this weird, like, you know, it's like you, instead of just, uh, instead of just defining the things and one thing can be another thing, they were like, you know, how about we delve into the dark and use that to protect the light while considering all darkness to be bad and still be associated with it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's like that weird um, video game thing, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool the way they explain it. Um, I know, and also some other things we'll get into when that episode comes around. I mean, by then the expansion will be out and I'll be playing it. And so I'll be able to tell you even <laughs> more about it, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I'm excited right. about it. Obviously. So I was going to talk about Disgaea, but it's pretty basic. We, I mean, we probably pretty much talked about that theme. It's the whole bad is our dark is good. And light is bad. not as bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it says the same thing where there's, there's good and bad and this light side, good and bad and this dark side. Um, and then you have Assassin's Creed where they have just completely flipped the script. But to the public eye, you know, like the Templars are the ultimate, you know, they're the good guys, they're the protectors and the assassins are the chaos. Right. But it's all public perspective. Public perspective. Yeah. It's funny. It's a lot of, a lot of stories that involve Templars typically always portray them as being overzealous. And typically I think the zealousness is actually what turns a lot of, um, a lot of these Templar archetypes into the evil characters because they, they kind of, they, they explore that idea that when, uh, of when doing, when being so overzealous and doing the right thing, you forget about your ethics. You forget about, like the methods that you go about doing the quote unquote right thing. And that's what turns like the Templar archetype into a really easy, uh, easy mark for, for creating an, an evil character. You know, mm-hmm. somebody who wants so badly to do the right thing that the rules actually get in their way and they turn into, and then they get to a point where suddenly I mean, they're Anakin. enjoying the bad thing. That's Anakin. Huh? Realistically, that's Anakin. Yeah. Realistically, yeah. So, I, I like that idea. It's yeah. a, it's that weird, it's that weird contrast where you, you are light, but you have delved so deep into the darkness in order to, to, co- to, to com, to combat it, um, that you end up becoming corrupted yourself. Right. Um, shoot, I have a character that I had written, um, or a class. There are they are Templars, but effectively they are an order of people that believed that magic was evil 
But in order to combat magic, they themselves need to be magic. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, it gets to a point where what happens when you've Is that killed... down dungeon? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, These what are hap- code names, by the way. Yes. <laughs> what happens when your order has killed, has destroyed, has defeated everything that they've gone against? And they are still that thing that they believe is evil, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, part of their order, part of their, their pledge to this order is that once their duty is done and once all of the magic has been purged from the world, then they themselves have to die. And so, what happens when... I, I just want you to know that you trained me to... You said duty. <laughs> Immature. <laughs> um, what happens once they fulfill that it it makes it like so the the idea for that story going forward is like you have one person that thinks that they shouldn't have to die they thinks that maybe we made a mistake in killing right. all of these people because does that mean that were we evil to do it does that mean then then all of a sudden it's like holy crap also does that make any of them good you know what I mean? Because maybe they were doing the right thing and just because they had the quote-unquote taint of magic, we wanted to kill them all. But that, like I said, the Templar, like the idea of somebody that uses a thing to, like the thing that they're fighting against to fight the thing. Like if you think about most Templars typically are religious um, or they're typically associated with uh, a faith. And most of the time, they're so overzealous about that faith that any other faith is what they fight against. Or any other belief is what they fight against. And so it's just like that that idea of like, kind of sounds what's like the good faith, what's the bad faith. Lawful neutral. Kind of sounds like something. It's like a preview of the next episode. That's a possibility. <laughs> uh, so one last thing I want to talk about, because uh, I, I said I was going to talk about it, is uh, Bioshock Infinite. Okay. And just really quick, I just, I really liked how, you know, when you first go into Columbia, everything about it, you, you see it as like this, complete holy place this utopia and everything and as you progress and you learn more about it like underneath the surface it's this complete dystopia the underbelly the underbelly i mean really they did a good good job of making sure like everything outside was very bright Mm -hmm. very uh futuristic as as soon as you go inside and or soon as you go underground or once you go into the plot and the parts that aren't like you said well lit so then, you probably forgot this part, though. Like, as you get farther into the game, like, when you're outside, it's mm-hmm. this giant thunderstorm up there. Oh, no, I remember it's that. tearing everything apart. Yeah, because then that's when they bring in the uh, the bird, the songbird. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, I think once, I think actually after the first scene, when you finally get to the tower, I'm trying not to, like, spoil it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. After the first scene, when you get to the tower and and the songbird comes out, I think that's kind of when, like, the whole world goes in to disarray because it's up until then it's you're kind of sneaking around you're just kind of an outsider but then the moment like that actually like takes place and it starts to turn into holy crap we're disrupting the fabric or fabric mm, wow fabric of this world well it's interesting because they it actually pulls you in they oh, yeah. pull you in mm-hmm. to this destruction yeah yeah i love it i love it very good game very i wouldn't say underrated because it did well yeah um but, but I think like, in comparison to the other ones, a lot of people yeah, like people, to say it was like, oh, it was all right. It, it, was, did thing. it was a great game. Yeah. Um, you know, I almost thought about like, uh, I was trying to think about if Booker was the chaos entering this world, but he really wasn't. 
Booker was um he is um he is he's the he's like he's, brings he, out the truth somehow. He's I, the wedge. He's the he's the he's the thing that causes the these fragile veneers to crack Mm -hmm. right he's the like he's the um he is he like you said he's effectively the chaos that's introduced but it's already chaos yeah it's just basically the balance yeah yeah, there you go there you go you just throw out the balance (gasps) wow Mm -hmm. and just like we're talking about there's balance in that world and that's what happens when you when you just throw off that balance, mm-hmm. leads to the chaos. Indeed. So chaos is the gray area. Yeah, I guess. I mean, because yeah. chaos technically is not defined. Mm-hmm. So they can be, and the gray area is ambiguous. Therefore, synonymous with undefined. Hmm. I.e., chaos is undefined, or the gray area. Well, wow. I guess that's where we end it. So would you say this is the dark side of the podcast or the light side? <sighs> I got nothing for that. It's neutral. True neutral. True. <laughs> true, true. Uh, so next week we're going to talk about uh, perception and D&D alignments. And you can find Will on Twitter at F Y N. R I R B A N E. Fan Repay. Well, you can sell that on Spotify. <laughs> sure. <laughs> People are going are gonna to sample it and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. <laughs> and you can find me at MVG Dave. Uh, I don't mind. Like, DM me. Like, wait, wait. DM? Yeah, DM me. And tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you don't like. Tell you us what you do like. We really want to hear so we can, I don't know. Or if you don't like the name NVG Dave, you can um, email us at <laughs> NVGpodcast at gmail.com. With go. all of those opinions, with episode ideas, things that you want to hear about. Or, hey, maybe we got something wrong, which David tends to do. Um, <laughs> it's probably true, so I'm not going to... No. We all we both get stuff wrong, um, but if you caught it, you can let us know, and maybe on the episode, our next episode, we can uh, shout you out for giving us the right cur- <laughs> the right actual information. Um, yeah, Sweet. we can call it the well actually section. Oh yes, oh yes, <laughs> I'll even do the voice and everything. Um, <laughs> nice, yeah, fun stuff. Um, this episode went on a little bit longer than I was expecting, but I love it. Until what? Next time? Next time. Hey!